Big hand clap. Man. I told Pastor a good joke last night. You know, y'all know I'm a Louisiana boy. Right. And now, now I've been in Texas since uh, 94, but, you know, I, I'm Louisiana. I, you know, I, I preach all over Louisiana. Best food in the world yeah. is in Louisiana. Uh, I went somewhere today and ordered a bowl of gumbo, and it was not gumbo. <laughs> it was not gumbo. It wasn't even in the same neighborhood as gumbo. It was Dumbo. It was good. But, uh, but uh, Pastor Thibodeau and uh, Pastor Thibodeau and Pastor... Uh, uh, what's the Thibodeau and, and, and Boudreau? Thibodeau and Boudreau. So the pastors, they got churches across from each other. They're out there early on a Sunday morning, and uh, they they're, they're popping these signs down in the ground. One of them, they had the same thing on both signs, and the, the sign said, "Turn around now, the end is near." And so this guy's driving by, and he slows down. He rolls down his window, and he yells out, "You religious fanatics!" Get back in the church. Nobody cares what y'all say. And he just took off and he went around the corner. And the next thing you know, Thibodeau and Boudreaux, they hear the brakes and then they, 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 then they hear nothing. And then, and Boudreaux turns to Thibodeau and he goes, you know, maybe the sign should say bridge out. <laughs> turn, turn around now. It's a good joke, good joke. I like it. I like it. Good joke. Uh, man, come on. We got any Holy Ghost slingers in here? Yeah. Underdog. No, underdog. Part of a dynasty. Amen. We ain't running from the devil. Devil running from us. Amen. Hey, real quickly. Um, Rachel's going to be out there at the table afterwards. And I always do something. I'm not doing this for y'all. I always do it. But, you know, I do so much leadership training throughout the churches, and when I get a chance to meet with people who come out for something like this, I want to bless you. And so y'all know I've got that flash drive out there, and when you get the flash drive, you get the book for free. Well, all those series out there are on that flash drive. You know, there's one series out there that, if, if it was just that one series, that Agape the Quest series, 10 CDs on the love of God, probably the greatest revelations God's ever given me. It's what's built our ministry, is that revelation on love. Um, but that series alone, I think, is like 40-something dollars if you bought it by itself, but then there's 15 more. So it's over $500 worth of stuff, but when I stand in front of leaders, I don't do this for 99 I do it for 80 And so, le- everybody say, I'm a leader. And so if you're a leader, only after this session, after... Fight night, it goes back up to 99 And so for $80, you get the flash drive, any uh, PC, Mac, laptop, all those series, and then you get the book for free. Does that sound like a blessing? And if you got a flash drive, talk to me. If you got one yesterday, talk to me, and I'll, I'll help you. But um, those are back there. You can use your credit card or your debit card and all that stuff, and Rachel will help you. Amen? Thank you all for coming out. I want to talk to y'all about something, and then I, I want us to pray, and we're going to get out of here right at a quarter till, because we want to have a good break, and then come back for fight night, amen? amen? But I want to talk to you a moment about something that's just real big in my heart. You know, church is not complicated. It's really not. 
Church, church is not complicated. Church is really just three things. You know, most things in life are not complicated. Like marriage. Marriage isn't complicated. It's just two things. If you get two things right, you got a great marriage. All you got to do to get marriage right is husbands love your wife and wives honor your husband. That's it. Husbands, if you'll work at loving your wife and wives, you'll work at honoring your husband. You'll have heaven on earth. Christianity is not complicated. It's just two things. It's obey the great commandment and fulfill the great commission. That's it. Faith isn't complicated. Faith is just two things. It's believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. That's it. Turn to somebody and say, that's easy. Well, church is just three things. Y'all ready? Church number one, and it's number one for a reason, it's spiritual power. It's knowing God is your Father, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Ghost as your friend. Come on, it's being born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, right? It's knowing how to walk in love and live by faith and knowing who you are in Christ. and Come on, knowing that you're part of that Abrahamic covenant and you're blessed to be a spiritual power. It's, it, it's knowing that, we, that we're seated, that we've, not, we've been quickened in Christ, we've been raised up in Christ, and we've been seated in Christ in heavenly... Come on, cathedzo, right? First and foremost, church is spiritual power. And, and, and my goodness, when people walk into this church, there ought to be enough spiritual power, there ought to be enough anointing to knock any devil right off of them. And they come in here and the burden gets lifted, the curse gets destroyed, the yoke gets destroyed, and they're able to reach out with their faith and receive everything that God did through Jesus Christ at Calvary. That is spiritual power. Is that all right with y'all? Okay. Number two, the second thing that church is, and we need to be just as passionate about number two as we are number one. Oh, but it it might get a little awkward for a second. Y'all ready? Number two is financial power. Oh, that's right. I said it. Turn to somebody and say, yeah, he just said it. You think you're going to build the kingdom without finances? You're going to support missionaries all over the world without finances? You think you're going to have this church without finances? You're going to have pastors without finances? Are you going to be able to feed the poor without finances? Come on, when I go to these other countries, do you think I just walk up to a a ticket counter and start praying in tongues and they give me a ticket? No, it takes financial power to go to the world. Come on, to feed the poor, to build churches and water wells and orphanages and come on, and missions and... Right? It takes financial power for a church to do what God called a church to do. You're going to need financial power to do what God's called you to do. Everybody talks about the Good Samaritan. You know what Margaret Thatcher said about the Good Samaritan, don't you? The Good Samaritan was good, but he had money. Huh? A church has to have financial power in order to do everything God's called a church to do. So you need spiritual power. You need financial power. And number three, you've got to have a servant's culture. That's all church is. And so if I was the devil and I wanted to stop a church, you know the three areas I would attack? I would attack 
a church's revelation so they wouldn't walk in spiritual power and they would walk around like a bunch of underdogs thinking they were captives instead of having a revelation that they're deliverers. Come on, I would go after spiritual power. Second thing I would do is I, if I was the devil, I would, I would convince the people that, come on, finances were bad, money was bad. I would want a church to have a poverty mentality. I would want the church to believe the greatest lie ever perpetrated on the church, which is God, which is God, wants, God doesn't want His people to have more because it'll destroy them. When the truth is, Satan doesn't want you to have more, so you can't build the kingdom around the earth. So I would, attra- I would attack spiritual power. I would a- attack financial power. And the last thing I would want is I wouldn't want a church to have a servant's culture. Now, let, let's just look at that word culture for a minute. It's an interesting word. I love traveling the world. I've been, been down in Mexico and Belize and Brazil, um, Bulgaria, Israel, Solomon Islands, Vanuatu, uh, Papua New Guinea, Australia, Tanzania. Traveling the world is incredible. To get the chance to build the kingdom around the world is phenomenal. And then, I, I, love, I love the fact of the things I've got to see. You know, when you go to the world to preach the gospel, you get to see the world. So I've been on safaris in the African Serengeti. I've climbed Mayan ruins in Belize. I've stood at the Western Wall in Israel. I, I've, I, I have snorkeled off Pig Island, off Papua New Guinea, and had hundreds of Nemos all around me. No one on the planet has had a better snorkeling experience than me. Three hours all by myself snorkeling on the most pristine uh, coral reef the world's ever known. I have seen some stuff. Hmm? Amen? To build the kingdom, some see some stuff. But I tell you what else I like. I love culture. I love culture. Everywhere you go, there's, cultures are different. You know, I love Bulgaria. Bulgaria has a very interesting culture. There's no homes in Bulgaria. Everyone lives in apartment complexes. They were built by the communists. So you got 5, 10, 15 story apartment buildings. They're they're white, they're blocked, they're ugly. And that's where everyone lives in the city. And their culture is different because in America we're very isolated. We watch TV alone, we drive alone, we, we, we don't walk anywhere. Come on, if the store is down the street, what do we do? We get in the car, we go, da, 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 okay. But in, in Bulgaria, everybody walks everywhere. They're always out in the park. They're always together. Their culture is community. It's family. They don't have Walmarts and stuff like that. Every, every kind of neighborhood, every apartment complex has a little grocery store nearby. And everybody knows each other. And everybody knows each other on the floor. And everybody knows each other above the floor and below the floor. They, they, their culture, they eat outside more than they eat inside. I'm telling you, you ain't had a cappuccino unless you've had one in Bulgaria. Sitting out on a side street, drinking a cappuccino under some canopy of tr- Their culture is different than ours. It's different. Israel has a culture. You know, that's one of the most religious cultures. I mean, that, pastor can tell you much more about it than I can. But, you know, the, the Jews, they, they, they love to debate. It's religious. It's just a different culture than anywhere in the world. Africa has a different culture. 
Africa, their culture isn't national. It's tribal. They care more than anything about their tribe. And they have a tribal language, and, and then they'll speak their national language, and then, you know, some, a lot of them will speak English. But first and foremost, it's all about their, it's all about their tribe. And there's a, there's, a real, there's a real desperation in them, in that culture. And when it's carnal, it's a, it's a frustrating thing because they, they want and they need. And you go to Africa and you're walking around and you're constantly, do you have this? Do you have this? Can I have this? Can I? There's a desperation in them because people have been coming into Africa, into that continent for hundreds of years and, and, just, and they've become dependent upon foreigners coming. So when you come, a foreigner comes, they know you're a foreigner. And so they're asking you for this, and there's a desperation in them. In the carnal, it, like I said, it, it's, it, it, it's a, it wears you out. But in the spirit, that desperation is one of the most beautiful things. They'll walk for days to come to crusades. And I'm going to tell you right now, there ain't no singing on the planet like there is in Africa. There's no sound like it. It gets in your soul. Their, their culture is completely different than anywhere in the world. And it won't say it has ain't got nothing to do with skin color. Because I've been in Vanuatu and Solomon Islands and Papua New Guinea, and their skin color is the same as Africa, but that's a totally different culture because, see, they're island. And there's no desperation in them whatsoever because they're, anything they need, they grow it, they raise it. They, they, they don't have no need for, for you to do anything for them because they're so self-sufficient. They, 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 they just have a peace about them in those islands. They're very non-confrontational. They're very quiet. They don't want to tell anybody no. And so if you ask them something, you ask them to do something, they'll tell you yes. Doesn't mean they're going to do it. They just don't want to tell you no. Doesn't mean they know how to do it. They're just not going to tell you no. So needless to say, when I go to those islands, they're like glued to me because, you know, I'm so over the top and... My facial expressions and the way I move and my voice and I'm la- I know I'm loud, you know. But their culture is how many know cultures different in America? East Coast, West Coast, North South. I'm a Louisiana boy. The culture from North Louisiana to South Louisiana is completely different. North Louisiana, you're talking Baptist. South Louisiana, you Catholic. North Louisiana, you redneck. South Louisiana, you Cajun. It's different. Are y'all, y'all with me? Yeah. The accents are different. It's di- culture is a fascinating thing. And then sometimes culture doesn't have anything to do with... It's not culture. It's just sin nature. Like, I'll, g- I'll give you an example. You go to Africa. Pastors heard this. Pastor, don't worry about it. We own Africa time. You ever heard that? You ever heard that? Africa time. Everybody say Africa time. Yeah. All right, you go to Mexico. Ooh. We own Mexico time. But it's funny. When you go to the islands, you're on island time. I remember I was preaching down in Monterey, and um, service started at 7.30. We're at the hotel waiting. They came and picked us up at 8. When we got there at 8, there wasn't anybody there. The praise and worship team came roaming in right after 8. By the time we got started, it was about 8.30. Don't worry about it. We on Mexico time. 
But you know, here's the funny thing. You say, that's just our, that's not culture. See, you, Philip, you down in the south. We're on southern time. There's no such thing as southern time. There's no such thing as Mexico time. There's no such thing as African time. Because here's the thing. When you're down in Mexico, when, uh, when, when a movie comes out, and people are going to go to a movie, guess what? They're there on time. You go anywhere in Africa and you say, I'm going to hand out money at, at 7 o'clock at night, guess what? doesn't matter what country you're in. If you say dinner is being served at 5 o'clock, all that Africa time disappears. See, that's all a bunch of garbage. There's no such thing as Africa time, Mexico time. It's just it, we're on time for what we esteem as important. So there's no such thing as Lagrange time. We're on time for what we esteem is important, and we're late for what we esteem is not as important. See, that's not culture. That's just, what is it? Sin. So does it make you mad when people get to secular concerts an hour early and fill it up from the front to the back, and they come to church 30 minutes late and fill it up from the back to the front? That's not culture. That's just sin nature. All right. Uh, for instance, you go to Africa, you hear, uh, Philip, you got to understand, Africa is very me, it's me first. You hear me first? That ain't Africa culture. That's, that's sin nature. Anywhere you go in the world, the, the darker, the more sinful, the more further away from God someone is, the more me first they are. Only in a Christian culture is there a you first. That's not culture. That's just sin. Nature. Nature. Why am I saying? Sometimes we blame stuff on culture. It's not culture. It's not culture. So, so why why am I telling you all this? Well, because churches have a culture. Churches have a culture. Every church has a culture. Let me give you a definition of culture. It's it's an interesting... it's, It's a simple... But I just want you to see this. Culture is the characteristics and knowledge of a particular group of people defined by everything. Like, I can give you the example. America as a whole, one of the things that defines America more than anything else probably is war. Americans are, we're some of the toughest people in the world. Why? Because our whole nation's been defined by war. That's how you study American history. American Revolution, Civil War, War of 1812, World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam. We're, we're, you, you hit an American and they're like, that felt good, can I have another? Come on, you hit an American, it's in the culture of an American. You don't show, you don't show weakness, you don't show pain. Hey, can I have another? You hit like a girl. Hey, next time you can do a little better than that. You think that's all around the world? That's American culture. We don't show weakness. That's culture. All right, well, churches have a culture. And a lot of times that culture is toxic. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're out grilling a steak. You marinated it all day long. Marinated that thing all day long. And, and you're flipping it back and forth. And you, you know, you like it medium rare. Come on, where's all my medium people? You got medium. Where's all my medium rare people? 
Uh-huh. Who, who wants medium well? Anybody well done? When you order a steak at a restaurant, they're giving you a, a, not a very good piece of steak because you're burning it. And so I just thought you'd want to know that. <laughs> they're giving you a bad piece of meat because they're not going to give you a good piece of meat because you're burning it. So anyway, you marinate that thing all day long. It's just right. Would you go over there and get a plate out of the dirt? Hey, see that plate over there? In the bring me that plate. So you bring the plate over and you slap the steak down on it. What have you just done to the steak? It doesn't matter how wonderful the steak is. If the plate's dirty, does it matter? See, every church I go to, I'm in over 50 churches a year. I've been doing it for 15 years. Every church has a vision. Y'all got a vi- Every church has a vision. We're, we're called to do this and we're called to do that. And this is our mission and this is our vision. And duh, duh, duh. Every church has a vision. But if the culture is toxic, it doesn't matter. You have the greatest vision in the world. If the culture is toxic, it doesn't matter. You can have the greatest cooked steak in the world. If the plate's dirty, it doesn't matter. Culture matters. And most cultures in a church, here's where we're going to get our hands dirty. You ready? Here's where I'm going to tell you why the average church in America is 60. Because most churches throughout the world, but, but, but well, especially in America... They have a customer culture. Because America is the, they're the we're, we're the largest consumers in the world. Walmart has taught us well. The customer is always right. right. And so we walk into churches the way we all walk into restaurants. Now listen, you do this. Don't tell me you don't because you do. You walk into a restaurant and you go into customer mode. And you're opinionated on everything. I don't want a booth, I want a table, I don't want a table, I want a booth. Right? Too close to the bathroom, too far away from the bathroom, not enough stuff on the menu, too much stuff on the menu. I don't like the size of the glass, it's too big, it's too small, not enough ice, too much ice. Come on, I like the pink, I like the blue. Right? You, 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 you get your tea, and if it gets too low, you're complaining. But if, you, but if you get the tea to sweet and low ratio just right, and she sneaks up on you and busts your tea, you're like, oh, man, I had the sweet tea, low, sweet, tea to sweet and low ratio just right, now i got to start over again. My God! What music is this playing? I don't want to hear this kind of music. The whole time, food's too hot, food's too cold. My, my God, I, I hadn't even got four chips and salsa in my mouth. They've already got my food here. Oh, my God, where's my food? The whole time you're there, you're just critiquing everything, right? And then when you walk out and you throw your little $3 tip down and you make a decision, you know, I like this place, I think I'm going to come back. Or you say, I don't like this place, I think I'm, gonna, I'm not coming back. Well, that's okay for a restaurant. Keep that garbage out of church. Oh, but we don't. We walk into churches the way we walk into restaurants. Well, I don't really like chairs. I like pews. I don't like pews. I like chairs. Church is too, too, church is too long. Church is too short. Music's too loud. It's not loud enough. I don't like those kind of songs. I like the other kind of songs. We need to play other these songs and those songs. It is too many songs. It's not enough songs. And pastor's too old and pastor's too young. And he preaches too long and he don't preach long enough. And the church is too Holy Ghost and it ain't Holy Ghost enough. Too many people in this church. There's just not enough people in this church. Huh? 
And the whole time, most people are here, they're critiquing every little thing that goes on because we, we, we brought that customer culture into the church and it's toxic. Do you, if you're God, are you pouring out glory? Are you pouring out revival on a customer culture in a church? That's what's in most churches. And with that customer culture, if someone does do something, they think they're doing the church a favor. Let me help you with something. If you've ever done anything or if you're doing anything in this church whatsoever, you ain't never done this church a favor in your life. When you show up, you're not doing this church a favor. When you tithe or sow, you ain't doing this church a favor. If you pick up a piece of trash, if you serve in any department, you're not doing the church a favor. God's doing you a favor by giving you the privilege and honor of serving in the house of God. Do you know another word for customer? Pharisee. From the moment Jesus came on the scene, the Pharisees were critiquing everything He did. Well, we like this, but we don't like that. We like it that He healed the dude, but He shouldn't have done it on the Sabbath. We like it that He eats with people, but He shouldn't be eating with those people. He ought to be eating with us. Because Pharisees critique and critiquers are Pharisees. And there's no ministry of criticism. So you can have the greatest vision in the world to reach the world, come on. But if you've got a customer culture, the plate's dirty, the plate is toxic, and that church ain't going nowhere because God's never going to pour His glory out in it. And then here's the really bad news. If you have a customer culture, if you have a church full of customers, then that means you don't have a church full of worshipers. Because see, customers don't worship. And worshipers don't serve. See, if you sh- what am I saying? Churches aren't supposed to have a customer culture. They're supposed to have a servant culture. Aren't we supposed to pray that it would be on earth as it is in heaven? Well, co- heaven has a culture. What is the culture of heaven? It's two things. Brother Philip, what are we going to be doing in heaven? I'll tell you what you're going to be doing in heaven. You're going to be doing two things. You're going to be worshiping and serving. Now, I know there's going to be free time. I believe there's going to be some great movie theaters up there. Well, yeah, so you can go watch David kill Goliath and sling that thing, right? It's going to be on video. You can go watch it. I do too. But you're going to be doing two things more than you do anything else. You're going to be serving and you're going to be worshiping. Well, if if that defines the culture of heaven, what should define the culture of a church? Serving and worshiping, worshiping and serving. But here's the thing. Worshippers serve and servers worship. You show me the top ten servants in this church and they're the top ten worshipers in this church. So if you're not serving, you're not worshiping. If you're not worshiping, you're not serving. And so if you're, if you're a customer, that means you're also a watcher. What's a watcher? Every Sunday morning I turn around and watch people watch. I turned around yesterday morning and saw a bunch of watchers watching. What were they doing? Number one thing they watch? 
two, song, two songs down, two to go. <laughs> Greatest moment of praise in the church is when the pastor says, you may be seated. Woo! Glory. <laughs> Churches don't have worshipers, they have watchers. And they don't have servants, they've got customers. And you think God's going to pour revival out on a bunch of customers and watchers? If I'm God, what I'm doing is I'm looking at LaGrange and I'm going, okay, where's a church that has the same culture as heaven? I'm looking for a church that has a servant's culture and I'm looking for a church that has a worshiper culture. Because that's where I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out revival and pour out glory and pour out signs, miracles, and wonders and pour out provision for the vision. That's, where, that's the church I'm going to bless because I'm all about customers, I mean servants and worshipers. That's got to be the culture of the remnant. And here's the thing. I know it is. I've been here once, since, like, since the bar days. And I tell you what, out of all the churches I go to, this church, the way y'all flood the altar, the way y'all worship God, come on. I know there's so I mean, y'all are here at 6 o'clock. I know who I'm speaking to. They're here, right? All right. I know this church has a lot of servants, a lot of worshipers, but have you arrived yet? Can we take it to another level? Come on, can, in, in, at the remnant, can we take worship to another level? Can we, can we make sure that when we pull up in the parking lot that that customer hat that, that, that Sam Walton gave us, we take it off? That's why I wanted these young people here. Because the reason I love that word servant is you don't have to know a hundred scriptures to serve. You don't have to be a preacher to serve. Matter of fact, you can have seven devils cast out of you on Friday and you can serve on Sunday. Right? You don't have to be perfect. All you got to do is just, hey pastor, what do y'all need? Brother Philip got me all stirred up. And I don't know what I can do, but you know what? I'm just going to trust you. What can I do to help? I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participator. And I know you're not going to put me doing something that I'm not capable of doing. Where can I help? Where can I serve? Where is there a need? What can I do? I want to help. I want to serve that culture. And then when it's time to worship, what do we do? Come on, get your tail down in that altar and just worship God and tell Him, tell Him, tell Him, tell Him how much you love Him. Amen. Now, once again, I know who I'm speaking to. And what I want to do is I, I want to give you some things to think about because it's not enough that you're a servant. It's not enough that you're a worshiper. But don't you want to be a part of others becoming servants and others becoming worshipers? Yeah. Do you want to become contagious? Yeah. Well, remember first, you've got to get infected. Right. You can't give away something you're not. Right. And you're giving away something one way or the other. So, all, so if there are some customers in here right now, and I'm sure you're not, <laughs> then you're turning your kids... And those around you into, because you're contagious one way or the other. But if you're a servant and a worshiper, 
Come on, you're going to affect those around you to be servants. That's why I wanted these young people in here. Like for instance, don't you think there could be a teenage welcome team? Couldn't you have three or four teenagers out there and three or four children out there that have welcome badges on and they're out there in the lobby and who are they looking for? If four children are out there with, with greeter tags on and, 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 and who are they looking for to come through the door? Children. And when children come in, what are they going to do? They're going to go greet them and love on them and thank you for coming and we're so glad you're here. And then you got the three or four teenagers out there, and who are they looking for? Teenagers. teenagers. And when teenagers, visitors come in, and a family comes in, and they've got some teenagers, who are they going to go talk to? Huh? And then what about you? You're here on a Sunday morning. Come on, your leaders, your influence, your servants. Stop talking to people you know. Start talking to people you don't know. And, matter, and here's the deal. You can't talk to people before church if you're here 30 minutes late. Because here, a servant's culture, if you're on time, you're late. So you get here 15, 20 minutes early and you're here early. Why? Because you have a servant's heart and you're here to help. And you're just walking around and you're eyes are open and you're looking for someone who maybe you haven't seen before that looks nervous. They're wondering if they're welcome here and you're over there. Come on, you don't have to be a spiritual giant, know a hundred scriptures and you just walk over to them and introduce yourself and love on them and you know what that is? Just serving. Just serving. So we need to become contagious, don't we? We got to become contagious and we got to develop that culture in other people. So let me, let me just take a few minutes and, and give you a few things to think about. Number one, to develop a servant culture in a church, it's got to be word-based. It's got to be word-based. It can't be need-based. Everything begins with a revelation. Everything begins with a revelation. A lot of times we try to build servants in the church by using guilt. Or need. Well, you know, we need somebody in the children's department. And then we can try to make them feel guilty if they don't help. You know, I've heard this so many times. Well, you know, if you got children, you know, the least you could do is sign up for once a month. Well, that's need, isn't it? That's guilt. You're not going to develop a servant's culture there. It's got it's to be a revelation. Was Jesus a servant? Were the disciples servants? Everybody in the early church, they were the Apostle Paul over and over again called himself. When you get over to the book of Revelation, everybody in heaven, you know what they call themselves? Angels. In Revelations 22, John falls down on his, on his face and he begins to worship this angel. And that worship's like, dude, man, get up, get up, don't worship me. I'm your fellow. Recap, Jesus was a servant. The disciples were servants. The early church was a servant. Paul was a servant. Come on, all the angels in heaven are servants. Come on, everybody in heaven is a servant. What should we be? That ain't got nothing to do with need, is it? That ain't got nothing to do with guilt. That's the Word. That's a revelation. You'll never forget that for the rest of your life. When you get that revelation, serving it in something you do, it's who you... It's who you are. 
See, I, I've been warped because I, there's just certain things I can't stand. Over there where I, over there where I live, I, I, was, I was driving one day and there's this little church over here on the right. And I look over there and out in the parking lot, there's a water hose out in the, par, out in the, out in the parking lot, strung out in the parking lot. And I saw that water hose and I was like, somebody need to put that water hose up. And so I drove by, I wasn't going to do it, and said, so it's not my church. And so I, I go off on a church weekend, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm coming back into town on Monday. And the water hose is still there. And I got mad because I'm sitting there thinking about all the church on Sunday, all the people on Sunday morning who walked over that water hose. So you know what I did? I couldn't stand it. Pulled into the parking lot, rolled that water hose up, and put it up where it goes. Come on. It's got to be word-based. Number two, all guilt's got to be replaced with love. You can't separate a servant's culture from a love culture. If you love people, you'll serve people. You're not going to be able to serve people unless you love people. It ain't about guilt. It's about love. Amen? We all need a greater revelation of the agape love of God. Number three, probably one of the most important ones here, that servant's culture, it's got to be built into all generations. The younger generations, they want to serve. If you're under 18, stand up. Under 18. Man, come on. Under 18, stand up. I'm going I'm to I'm explain to you their life. Their life is defined by three words. Three words. Three words. Y'all ready? Sit down. Shut up. And listen. They go to school. And all day long, they're told three things. Sit down, shut up, listen. Then they come home and mom and daddy got something to say. So boy, girl, sit down, shut up, and listen. And then they go to church. And they go in the children's department. And they go in the youth department. They go in church. You know what they're told? Sit down, shut up, and listen. They go off to college. And guess what they're told? This younger generation, they're sick and tired of sit down, shut up, and listen. They want to do something. They want to be listened to. They want to ask questions. They want to serve. They want some ownership in the game. They want some skin in the game. They, they want to be up on that stage singing. They want to be out in the lobby. Come on, serving. They, they, they want to be helping with the children. They, they want to preach a little bit. They want, they, they, they want you to ask them a question or two and ask them, you know, what, what's going on. They, 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 they want some skin in the game. And we've got to let them run. And we've got to let them roll. And we've got to let them serve. Because if they don't learn to serve at this age... They may turn into more customers when they're your age. We got to turn the young people loose. Y'all can be serious. Let them serve. Think of ways that they can serve. And you're not letting them serve so you can sit down and pass the torch to them. No, what you're doing is you're bringing your hand up on the torch a little bit and making room for theirs. You're looking at one of these young people and you say, Hey, why don't you come help me? The reason I'm in ministry today, more than likely one of the reasons, is because when I was a teenager, I served in the children's department, and me and Mike and Greg and Joey, we did all the dramas and we did all the puppet skits. And you know what? I loved it. Because when I was a teenager, what did I want to do? I wanted to do something. 
We've got to build it into the younger generation, even if we don't. So when you see young people doing something, and when you see, let me say this, when you see young people on that stage singing and playing instruments, don't get offended. Don't look at that and say, why, why are they up there? Be the most Holy Ghost cheerleaders in the, on the planet. Walk up to them and say, you know what, I am proud you are doing so good. Give them one of those Holy Ghost handshakes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on, if, you, if you're over 30, say this. Say, I am a Holy Ghost cheerleader. Woo. Number four, we got to be free from unforgiveness and fear. So many of you came from other churches. How many of you have been a part of another church sometime in your life? Lift your hands. Oh, turn around, look, look. So that means at one time they were in another church, but now they're in this church. So they may be in this church now because they just moved. They may be in this church because something bad happened in another church and now they're in this church. And if that's the case, you didn't bring unforgiveness from that church into this church, did you? A lot of times we bring baggage from one season into another season. And so you were serving over in this other church, but you got hurt for whatever reason. And so you say to yourself, well, bless God, I was serving over there and I got hurt and they stabbed me in the back. So I'll tell you right now, I'm going to come to the remnant church, but I'm not going to be serving anymore because I'm not going to let what happened over there happen. No way you can have a servant's culture unless you get rid of that baggage. Last one. Servanthood, it's got to be celebrated. What you celebrate moves towards you, and what you don't celebrate moves away from you. Got to celebrate it. I just pray that a river of creativity runs, a river of honor runs through this church and y'all are continually, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, you're always looking for someone to honor, appreciate, never take for granted, never become familiar. And don't ever believe the lie. I don't want to ever hear anyone in here say, well, I'll tell you what, I just don't need a tap on, pat on the back. I just do everything for Jesus. Oh, you super spiritual blessing you. <laughs> There is no one in here that is too super spiritual for a sincere thank you. Come on, stand to your feet. Everybody say a servant's culture. Everybody say a worship culture. Church, church is just three things. Spiritual power. Financial power in a servant's culture. Those are the three areas of a church where Satan attacks. He wants a church to be spiritually weak, financially weak, and have a customer culture. And over 90% of churches in America are spiritually weak, financially weak, and they have a servant's culture. 
So what we'll do, we might, doesn't, doesn't the Bible say give honor where honor's due? So well, let's just do this real quick. We might as well. Hey, Satan, will you sit down? Sit down, Satan. Go ahead, right there. Well done. Well done. Give honor where honor's due. 2,000 years, he's become an expert at keeping churches spiritually weak, financially weak, in a servant's cult, in a customer culture. Well done. Not at the remnant. Not at the remnant. Come on, close your eyes, lift your hands. I want to pray, and then we're going to take a break. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the remnant church. That, Father, this church, whoo, this church, we declare this church is, has spiritual power thriving. Thriving, growing, increasing. Week by week, week by week. Father, we declare the remnant church and its people and its businesses are financially strong. They are blessed to be a blessing. Father, we declare the remnant church has a servant's culture. And you spirit, you Pharisee spirit, we rebuke you, we bind you, and we command you to go. Father, we declare this church has a servant's culture, has your worshiper's culture. And Father, as it is in heaven, it's here at the remnant in Jesus' name. Father, we declare this church's best days are ahead. Father, this church is going to thrive in the days ahead and there's nothing the devil can do about it. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody said, Amen. We got about 15 minutes. Uh, Well, we have, uh, not quite. We have 13 minutes and we're going to, he's going to come back and do for another 45 minutes. So, no, we're sitting all over the church. So get you a drink, go to the bathroom, and come on with your bad self. Make sure you go by the table, invest in the best. Christ.
was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now the Savior knelt to wash our feet now at his feet we bow the one who Shines for all to see. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise. the 
watched in vain was borrowed for three days his body there 